and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. We're going on a journey through the symbolic imagery of each of the 78 tarot cards. If you use a Rider-Waite-Smith deck, or a Thoth deck, or Mel's own Tabula Mundi deck, you've come to the right place. We love making this podcast, and we hope you love listening to it. But you should also know that Fortune's Wheelhouse is more than the sound of our voices. We have a home on the web at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. Come and visit us there so you can experience the other part of this conversation, where we provide hundreds of written articles and explanations for even the most obscure concepts you'll hear on the show. If you sign up to be our patron at even the $1 level, you'll instantly gain access to all that information, which can be found nowhere else. And if you become a patron at the $3 level or higher, you'll get a chance to win our giveaways. Like Danny Nemu, who just won last week's giveaway. Congratulations, Danny! This week we're talking about the Seven of Cups, which is associated with Venus and the second decan of Scorpio. Venus loves perfumes, Venus loves clothes. And so for this week's giveaway, we are offering a choice. Choice number one, my Scorpio perfume, Smoke and Storm. It's a heady and hypnotic blend of tobacco, vanilla, and white flowers. Wear it, and anyone who meets you will be thunderstruck with fascination. Choice number two is a Fortune's Wheelhouse t-shirt in one of the seven designs we have on hand. Get it? Seven of Cups, seven designs? You can find out more and sign up for the drawing on our site, www.patreon.com slash Fortune's Wheelhouse. In the meantime, we've got something to ask you. If you're loving Fortune's Wheelhouse and the fantastically geeky world of tarot we bring you each week, would you leave us a review on iTunes? You can write a couple sentences about why you dig this podcast, or you can just drop us five stars. We love that, too. In podcasting, ratings and reviews are the currency of the realm. Even if you're not ready to become a patron, leaving a review is something free you can do, which really helps us, and also helps other people find the show. Being a practitioner of the esoteric arts can be a lonely business, so help us find the others and build our community. If you're on Facebook, you can also connect with other listeners at Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy, which is a page moderated by astral superheroes Darren, Naya, and Maria. Even now, over 150 listeners are sharing their love of esoteric tarot and even planning a Fortune's Wheelhouse meetup for this fall. You could be one of them. And now, here's this week's episode. You want to say it? Welcome to Fantasy Island. (laughs) That just totally cracks me up. I watched a lot of Fantasy Island as a kid, you know, kind of with a mingled horror and (laughs) enjoyment. Very weird show. Those of you who weren't brought up during the 70s really missed out. (laughs) 
Uh, this is the Seven of Cups, in case you haven't figured that out. Uh, also known as the Lord of Debauch, or Illusionary Success, which are really two very different takes on the same thing. Uh, regardless, this is going to be a card where uh, all sorts of wackiness happens and uh, a sense of being out of balance. So this is the end of our recording day, and we're just hoping we can hang on through it. Just to recap, we have three cards of Scorpio, the Five of Cups, the Six of Cups, and the Seven of Cups. And we talked about how these Scorpio cards are cards of, you know, associated with the death card of sacrifice, and and how as we go from five to six to seven, from Mars to Sun to Venus, we have the story of cutting down and then rebalancing, getting our equilibrium, and then something new arising out of that. So we're on to something new now. What that something new will be really depends on the way you look at it, because we've entered into unknown territory here. Mm. Uh, we've eaten the mushroom, we've drunk the drink, and something strange is going to occur. Well, first of all, debauch is not necessarily a term that a lot of people are familiar with. So maybe we should talk about that a little bit. Debauch, debauchery tends to be a term that we associate with carnal excess, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's orgies or whether it's sexual or mm -hmm. or drug, you know, induced mm -hmm. substances, uh, yes, substances and sex, basically, is yeah. what we're talking about with debauchery. <laughs> I don't know the origin of the word, I should have looked that up. But, uh, but anyway, uh, there is definitely uh, as clearly as Crowley saw it, because he's the one who chose that word, an air of going way too far. Yeah, there's something degenerate mm -hmm. going on. Yeah, hedonism gone bad. As for illusionary success, that's really something else. So that that so that seems to emphasize the thing that you think you're chasing when you're in that altered state, right? Right. The the vision of something beautiful that you think you're going after but which is a distortion of reality. One thing about that that's Kind of interesting to me. So you could read the words illusionary success as meaning, you know, success being an illusion or success not really being there when you think it is. Mm -hmm. But you could also read it as success through illusions. Yeah. And that's one of the more positive aspects like a glamour. of this card. Yeah, yeah. A glamour and a creativity and a visioning process. So you could also say illusionary success as being the success that comes from that creative process of faking it of, till you make it. Vision, right? So <laughs> yeah. this it's what um Libra Theta says about sevens, it says sevens show that's which is needed for victory because the meaning of Netzach is victory. So it says sevens show what's needed for victory and it's not really their fault that they're uh, degraded. It's that's due to human weakness. I think they cool. said literally, I wrote, did I write down the quote? That they are degenerated is due to human weakness, not the fault of the principles themselves. That sevens are. Yeah. Right. It reminds me of kind of what you have to do in a magical act. You have to create this illusion mm -hmm. of connection, right, mm -hmm. to the thing that you're calling up. Yep. And if you fail, it's due to your own lack of conviction or whatever it is, but... That's an apt... Right, not powering yeah. the illusion 
sufficiently. Yeah. Yeah. Because you need that, that visioning, that whatever that fire of Netzach that brings is what powers and ensouls the magical operation. It can't just mm-hmm. all be mm-hmm. hoed and mental constructions. There has to be that, that passionate, emotional <laughs> right. connection that, that fires it up. Right, right. Indeed, the, uh, you know, the term netzach, we translate it as victory most often, but it's the kind of victory that comes through perseverance and endurance, something that stretches through time, through realms, something that emphasizes the connection, the way Venus does between things that are unlike, Mm. you know, so that you can create something that ought not to be there. So, um, but we'll talk lots more about that. (laughs) So the Seven of Cups is associated with Venus in Scorpio. And it's double Venus, as we were saying, because uh, as with all of the other Scorpio and Sagittarius cards, and as well as the Four of Swords, the final decan of Libra, we have that succession of Kabbalistically linked numbers. So where the Jupiter is related to the four in Libra is related to Chesed, the five to Mars to Givura, uh, and the five of cups, the six to Tiferet to Sun to the six of cups. And here we have the seven to Netzach and to Venus in the seven of cups. Uh, even though Venus is in detriment, and that's some of what gives the card its quality. So we have Venus in rulership of the face and in association with the number seven, which is, of course, her number, as well as the number of the Sephira. Now, uh, Venus is in detriment in all martial signs, well, in Aries and in Scorpio. So we expect her to be weaker in Four of Wands and in uh, seven of cups, but she really seems to be doing very poorly in this one as opposed to the four of wands. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a lot about the lack of balance. Um, you know, fours are a little closer to the creator than sevens. And has sevens. that link to Jupiter as well. Yeah, and sevens are a little further down on uh, the tree of life. So there is a uh, Crowley quote that talks about that in relation to this card. And he says, Lose direct touch with Keter, the highest. Diverge never so little from the delicate balance of the middle pillar. At once the holiest mysteries of nature become the obscene and shameful secrets of a guilty conscience. He really took a very dim view of sevens. I think even more so than fives. He was uh, very suspicious of them. Because you're traveling down the tree and you lose the sort of temporary perfection of the six. Yeah. It's it's as low down on that pillar as you can go. Mm-hmm. The eight, you have the lowest of the pillar of form, and then you have the two, nine and 10 on the middle pillar. Yeah. So if you compare this Venus card to other Venus cards, you know, you have the four of wands, the two of cups, the nine of discs, and the five of swords. Uh, you have completion, love, gain, and defeat. So... You know, um, we have a card here that's has some of the same troubles as the Five of Swords does, you know, some of the same sort of out of balance qualities that we see there. Um, go ahead. It seems like the Five is more, you know, defeat through weakness, where this is more corruption through weakness. Right. Yeah. If you can imagine something, 
being um, broken down through sort of bacterial action versus just tensile strength or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Venus is the, the lesser benefic and is usually good, but this particular card in relation to Venus makes me think of Venus as the debased <laughs> courtesan or the, the dark Aphrodite, you know, the... Yeah. The, um, yeah, the darker nature of of Ishtar. Well, this is the thing about death, right? Because when as you go through the initial chopping down in the five, and then the sort of the six, where there, you know, something turns within the body in the state of death. The seventh is where it starts to create new life. So that can be really gross, like maggots growing out of the body or the whatever grows out of it. It's not going to be pretty. Yeah. Speaking right. of gross, another <laughs> thing that sometimes this card, I think, has a little bit to do with this venereal disease. You yeah. Know, the whole yeah. corruption of Venus, yeah. you know. Yeah, the idea that something new is growing out of it, but it's not something that you no. really want. <laughs> but on the other hand, that is also, it, it's a phase of death, but it's on its way to becoming something else, right? It's dis- disgusting and disagreeable that we find it, you know, funguses, bacteria, all of those right. things Viruses. Are, in, are in the service of breaking Poisons. Down. And building back up, mm-hmm. right? They're just trying to do their job. <laughs> you know, everything everything that feasts on flesh is just in service of nature. And mm. that's part of this card, I think. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I associate with it is compost, literally. Mm-hmm. You know, the gross stuff that makes things grow. Yeah, the uh, the slime in the pond, the, the pond scum that feeds the life in the, yeah. the tadpoles and the... yeah. Things, yeah. the frogs and yeah so you know in a way when we you know look at cards that are disagreeable what we're seeing is sort of the normal human reaction to them but from a you know ecological point of view or from a sort of god's eye point of view it's all beautiful it's right. all how the it should be is as beautiful as the meadow <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly but there are definitely experiences that are subjectively more pleasant for us as human beings and this is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, the the empress uh, is, of course, why we keep bringing up all these nature metaphors. The empress and is v- Venus, yeah, right? Venus, the ruler of the Deccan. So what we have here is the empress and death together. And this is a Life concept, a concept that is called in Greek, the concept of eros versus thanatos. The yeah, idea yeah. of Freud would call it the sex drive versus the death drive. We have these the two things that... The will to live and the will to die. The will to live and the will to die, exactly. Yeah. Constantly fighting with each other for mastery over our human outlook. And I think it's fascinating the way these two duke it out in this card and who's going to win, right? And how we're balanced between those two things. Yeah, it's funny how times. close sex and death really are. Yeah, and uh, any Scorpio who's listening to this will be very familiar with that concept. And there's also something in this card about fairy gold. Yeah. You know, how you're in the, the fairy world and you, you get treasures. And then when you come back to this world, you're holding a handful Bunch of, of leaves. leaves and dust. Or- <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we talk about the concept of debauchery, there's an idea that you're trying to hold on too long, you know, to, to the perfect moment. Yeah. Know, and that you can't. Right, right. It's going to turn on you. I haven't looked at it recently for this card, but I 
pretty sure Lon Milo has something to say about the difference between, you know, three martinis and seven martinis or something. <laughs> he must have had a high tolerance if he could drink seven martinis. <laughs> he said something like, you know, the seventh martini is stumbling to the toilet after thinking you were being sexually charming to a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. And I do kind of associate with this card with like that whole morning after and the walk of shame and you know yes. things of that nature yes it's the hangover card for yeah. a lot of people yep. yeah i'm trying to think about like how the the final stage of sacrifice how that connects with this you know the idea when we were talking about the the majors mm -hmm. in terms of that the final stage we came to the moon card and while this card is not of the moon. There's something very lunar about it. Yeah. Yeah, you're heading towards the altered state of consciousness. If this is Odin's wisdom, you know, the secrets that he's trying to buy through his yeah. sacrifice, right? He's on the brink of uncovering them. Yeah. yeah this is why this and is such a card of magic. it's coming from the subconscious, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's bubbling up through the murk. Yeah. Right. From the well. Right, right, from the well. So the time of year that's associated with is with this is November 12th through November 22, which is just about hands down the most depressing time of year around here. <laughs> it really is. It's awful. There's no leaves on the tree. Even the brown ones have fallen off and it's mm -hmm. really cold and gray and damp and... You know you that you're... Depressed. you Yeah, you yeah. know that you have at least three, if not four months of winter ahead as well as all the holiday bs and <laughs> you yeah, don't even have the the comforts of the holiday yet yeah. it's just all about to be yeah. yeah and it's not the light hasn't turned yet you know and if you go walking in the woods at this time of year it's just like gross rotting leaf mulch everywhere <laughs> yeah you can sometimes get some mushrooms though that's it's a little true. late, but you can. Yeah, mushrooms do have something to do with this character. Absolutely. Too, both in the terms of the, the, the drug experience and the, the growth from decay. Yeah, they're coprophytic. You know, it's like you take the shit, you take the dead bodies and you make something out, right. out of it. Something right. different, something possibly toxic. Something and, and possibly good. Also related to this card, I've heard that uh, Damiana, which is an aphrodisiac, and cannabis. Oh, neat. Because obviously yeah. drugs and visions and um, creativity that comes to cannabis is really associated with creativity. For sure. For sure. And this is also one of the cards of addiction, too, of course, mm -hmm. um, besides the devil. Sometimes I associate uh, the Prince of Cups with addiction as well. Well, he's associated with Scorpio in yeah. general. So there's some truth there's to it. There's something to it. What I was going to say is, you know, he's holding that cup with a snake in it. Yeah. And uh, snakes in cups are sometimes a metaphor for, for drugs. Oh, cool. Yeah. Just like throughout history kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Neat. Yeah, like the, the, the sacramental libation that causes visions yeah. sometimes is shown as a snake in a cup. Hmm. So I don't know for what it's worth. Cool. And yeah. we have a snake in the cup on the Rider Waite card, actually. Oh, yeah, we do, as a matter of fact. Uh, let's see. So um, Kabbalah, uh, we're talking about double Venus. We talked about Netzach a little bit already. Uh, the idea that this is an emotional, quote unquote, victory. So which is a weird thing to associate with this card. But I think that there's something about 
the seven of cups is an act of magic and mm-hmm. the, you know, the power of the emotion to create that magic. Right. That's tied in there. Yeah. Without emotion, your magical practices wouldn't bear any fruit. You have to care. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. My mom always used to tell me when I was playing the piano, you know, if you're not interested, nobody's interested. So if you're working with spirits and you don't care, they don't care either. (laughs) You're like, yeah, I can pass. Yeah, it's got no soul. Right, right. And that's, you know, and that's really all up to Venus, because it's like Mars is the separating and cutting entity that we saw in the five and the sun is a broker and Mm -hmm. you know it's sort of like i will stand in the middle and transact between you but venus is there to connect and venus is there to yeah to draw things towards attract yeah Yeah. and so that kind of applies toward the whole magical process we are trying to attract the attention of these forces Mm -hmm. and it's a creative process as well it is you know it is magic is a creative act Mm mm-hmm it's waving a big flag and, you know, saying, pay attention to me. Yeah. Mm. Marketing kind of is like that, too. So there's an argument for saying that this is associated with, you know, the sort of like advertising promotion sort of glamour. Glamour. Yeah. yeah. Illusion. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that idea of Netzach as a way of penetrating between the realms through that power of connection. Mm-hmm. The virtue of Netzach is unselfishness interestingly enough yes where the vice is unchastity (laughs) so it's like two kinds of openness right yeah Yeah. altruism versus promiscuity yes that's neat yep that's really cool so you know we haven't really talked about the world of bria you know in these five six and seven of cups but you know in general bria is associated with cups this is the second of the cabalistic worlds uh, associated with water and uh, sometimes called the uh, creative world yep. so again that's sort of a reflection of this possibility this magical possibility of creating things that don't exist mm-hmm. whereas the archetypal world of absolute is conceptual it's you know it's not it has no connection to our real world but there's something in briat in the second world of bringing things into being and it's through love through love know? yeah so it's a particularly mm-hmm. apt for this particular card having to do with venus now um the deccan imagery for this card is particularly gross um particular the significations are particularly disturbing so you know the one from the picatrix just says a a horse and a rabbit which is super cryptic Um, right it might be about sex it might be about sex we don't know it says but the signification is very explicit it says evil works and favors and forcing sex upon unwilling women which is something we sort of saw in the Five, two, I think. Mm. And then um, Agrippa has a man bowed downward upon his knees and a woman striking him with a staff. Little S and M there. <laughs> this is very Venus and furs, you know. <laughs> right. Venus and detriment. Yeah. Drunkenness, fornication, wrath, violence, and strife. You know, whenever whenever one describes a sexual act as a perversion, that's the sort of seven of cups feel is what they have in mind. Although, you know, I think the definition of perversion is very hard to pin down. Yeah, I think Crowley calls it the profaned and prostituted sacrament. Yeah. Something that's really interesting about this card uh, in the cardomantic tradition, um, 
you know, in general, the seven is associated, it's a card of imagination, enchantment, mystery, magic, and all of that. But, um, but here's what's, here's what's interesting about what Atea had to say about it. He said, this tarot card is one of the hardest ones to explain, because in the crowd of thoughts that agitate in your brain, so it's not possible to guess which of them have occurred to you during your operation. So I guess it's hard to distinguish the imagination from what's the real message that's supposed to come through. And this card signifies idea design movement. Um, and then, interestingly enough, the Seven of Hearts has this other sort of like ambiguous quality to it. Um, it evokes a blurry moment in the consultant's life. Oh. Uh, yeah, the near future seems uncertain as the Seven of Hearts relates to the incapacity to, incapacity to decide mm -hmm. or dissatisfaction or the search for a better situation. Um, mm. In Cardomancy, the Seven of Hearts reveals inner pessimism, warns you about the dangers of resignation, shows the importance of not giving up. So there's like the illusion of... Um, the, the demons that you see before you that you know aren't real but are still scary. And it talks about how, like, in a dreamlike state, you can't tell what's real and what's not. And yeah. I think that's the blurring that they're talking about in this card. Right. Are you awake or are you dreaming or are you somebody yeah. else's dream? <laughs> yeah. And if you've ever had that experience, and everybody has, of being in a dream and really being completely unaware yeah, like you, you think know, you're awake. It seems totally, totally true. And, you know, or the experience of like waking up multiple times because you're sure that you're awake now. <laughs> right. Right. You dreamed that you fell asleep and had a dream. Yeah, that can be very unsettling. The Rider-Waite-Smith Seven of Cups. Which is one of the most enigmatic Rider-Waite cards sure of is. all time, isn't it? It is. And I guess that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we've got somebody back to us standing in front of a cloud. Um, again, this blurriness or fogginess of the imagination. And in that cloud are seven cups, each one containing something different. Let's see, what did Waite say of it? Waite, yeah, go ahead. Quote. Uh -huh. um, he says, Fairy favors images of reflection, sentiment, imagination, things seen in the glass of contemplation, some attainment in these degrees, but nothing permanent or substantial. Yes, yes. Strange chalices of vision, but the images are more especially those of the fantastic spirit. So he's really placing an em emphasis on the idea that this is not reality as we know it. Mm -hmm. It's non-ordinary reality. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that, you know, this is a card of Venus and Venus, you know, is known for appreciating beauty, but I think the power of Venus is is visions of beauty triumphant. And that speaks both to the victory of Netzach and, I don't know, the beauty yeah. appreciation of Venus. And also the idea that um, one of Venus's weapons is the mirror, right? Mm -hmm. But that mirror can distort as well as reflect. Right, what's seen in it isn't necessarily real. Right, right. It's just the a magic reflection. mirror. Right, right. And there's also the other magical weapon of Venus, which is the girdle. Oh yes, and mm -hmm. the girdle has a knot in it, and it's um, said to be, you know, the ability to to girdle to tie up 
these visions at will so that you aren't distracted by the glamour. Right. Right. The girdle, um, the, the lasso, golden lasso of truth. Yeah. 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 The Golden Dawn said that this card signifies lying error, deception, and promises unfulfilled. So again, this is, you know, the Empress creating visions in her magic mirror of, uh, at this very dangerous moment in the encounter with death. And what are those visions? So we have in the picture, we have seven different things. Yeah. Are they all visions or are they the seven deadly sins or are they virtues? You know, right. We've be, got seven of be, each. They're very, they could be either in many cases. Yeah. And I've, I've, um, you know, I've, I've, uh, if we go through them one by one, we can talk a little about what they might be, you know, mm-hmm. sort of, uh, objects of the desire nature. For example, I've heard it said that the angel head is like the desire for beauty. Right. Vanity. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Makes and that sense. the snake is sort of like a sex thing. Yeah. Or it could be, could be the whole snake in a cup as signifying drugs. There's oh, yes. That, right. The, right. Exactly. Snake, snake in a cup as, you know, signifying that sacramental drink that, causes visions mm-hmm. or wisdom, you know, snake, snakes. Absolutely. As wisdom acquisition. Right. The, uh, the tower figure could be power or, you know, worldly, mm-hmm. uh, ambition. And obviously the, <laughs> the, the jewels are well. It can be a quest. The tower too can be, a, you know, right. A quest. Yeah. The jewels can be, can definitely be about wealth. That's pretty and obvious. Yeah. The laurel is, you know, a fame that, goes beyond well, victory netzach mm-hmm. uh, the idea mm-hmm. of victory and yeah the the see the skull in mm-hmm. the um the cup it's the only cup that has a skull in it but it's quite clear there's a skull on that particular cup and so mm-hmm. you could think of it as victory over death or fame that lasts beyond death the desire for fame beyond death you could think of it as the memento mori um yes when the the caesar or whatever is riding in his victory parade there was somebody who had to stand by his side and say remember you're a human remember you're a human <laughs> who remember wants you that job human. man <laughs> i know <laughs> off with his head right <laughs> and then the dragon is like heroism like wanting to be a hero uh, that's one way to look at it. Or power. Mm-hmm. Or power, could yeah. Be about power. Could be. The, the figure in the center could be on the one hand, depending on how Christian you are, it could, it could be like the urge for sainthood, um, you know, for being holy, or it could be the, the one true grail, right? It could be the Christ right. or something like that. And I've like seen that. some, some interesting, but probably far-fetched things that, that, that it looks like a mushroom. Because it kind of does, even though yes. I'm sure it isn't. Yeah, you probably um, heard of the story of Mushroom Jesus, right? That there's, <laughs> you know, this right. old depictions of Jesus. Uh, then I also a, saw a mushroom that, god. You know, in the Golden Dawn, there's there's a there's a robe called the robe of Adominus Liminus, in which it's covered with this gauze of silver over the whole costume. It, it could be the and, Shroud of and, Turin. And if you look at the pictures of it, it does look like that. It covers yeah. like the whole the whole figure. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to me, the most interesting of the cups is the one with the laurel figure, the laurel crown mm-hmm. and the death's head on the cup. Because not only could it be, you know, victory over death or fame after death, it could be the price of victory. You know, it could be that victory is an illusion. We were talking about the last two cups cards. We were talking about the waters of Hades and it mm-hmm. could be, you know, drinking from the lethe, the, mm-hmm. the, to forget the, yeah, the oblivion, the drink of death and a, 
forgetfulness and oblivion um, in that underground river of Hades that, you know, it causes unmindfulness so that you forget your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of the phrase also, there's definitely something in that cup about the tension between remembrance and forgetting, you know, and it reminds me of the, you know, the idea that in some cultures, you're only dead when the last person says your name, right, forgets your name, right. Laurel is actually a neurotoxin. Both, um, is it? Yeah. And, huh. M- it's related to rhododendron, which is also the same, and mountain laurel around here, all this mountain laurel. Uh huh. So, but bay laurel's not that this- we use to eat. No. Okay. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's not, th- it's not the same. So okay. Mountain Good. laurel, rhododendron, and the laurel wreaths of victory. They, um, the reason I know about this is because I keep bees. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of mountain law around here. And there's something called um, mad honey. And when the bees make honey from too much, you know, laurel at once, it's toxic honey. Oh, and it causes hallucinations. And there's a famous, um, there's a famous story about an army in, um, you know, 60 something BC where the army, um, Roman soldiers, they invade this region of Turkey and the people there lined their path, not, not literally lined the path, but Mm -hmm. hid jars of honey or honeycomb in a way so that they would find it or mead, even, (gasps) even mead as a drink. And the soldiers found it and thought they were so lucky to find this. And of course they drank it or ate it and they got incapacitated and hallucinated and a thousand soldiers were killed. Wow. They were able to overcome these these soldiers. Clever. And, and Gross. so when I see the cup with the mountain <laughs> laurel in it and the death's head, it makes yeah. me think of that mad honey drink, you know. The, that's the, really the, cool. The the drink of forgetfulness, you know. Yes. Yes, that's a really cool story. Yeah. Hmm. I've also seen this as um a some people think that it's the seven stages of alchemy. So I've seen it sort of listed. So if you start from the dragon slash salamander figure, and then so that would be number one calcination, then the laurel wreath would be dissolution. Uh, the the jewels would be separation. The tower would be conjunction. Uh, hmm. The the snake would be fermentation. The holy figure would be distillation and the seventh, uh, the angel is the, you know, perfected self coagulation. Mm, so perhaps it's just another way to do it. Basically, you can take any seven and right, yeah, <laughs> we could yeah. probably even do planets. Probably fit the days know? of the week or the planets. To Should these, we try yeah. planets? I don't know. Just for fun. Yeah. Well, Venus is definitely Venus a beautiful there. head. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Now, would Mars be, be the, the tower the dragon, or, the tower the tra- or the snake? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, let's see. Which one could be Mercury? Hmm. Mercury could be the snake. True. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Saturn could be the, the jewels, maybe. Um, or Jupiter for the ma- that matter. Or the dragon, you know, Saturn and yeah. the devil and Capricorn. Huh? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, po- you know, it's slightly mm-hmm. poisonous, I guess, and it causes mm-hmm. some delusions and, mm-hmm. um, madness. Which seems like part of the story of this card. It should. It certainly does. Sun, Venus, Mercury. Yeah. Which one would be the sun? The laurel wreath. I was gonna go. See, I was gonna go kind of like uh, Sun, Venus. I'm trying to go in, in, in order, order, right? So sun, that, yeah, Venus, I could see that. Mercury, sort of going towards the back there, and then Moon, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars. 
I like can that, see that, yeah. You know? So maybe I'll maybe I'll put up a graphic on the site yeah, and sort of be. with like maybe it's like this. I don't know. It it's, makes a vague amount of sense. Like these pictures are so enigmatic. You can apply many things to each one. And I know. I think that's the point. The many visions, the many possibilities. Yeah. And the process of seeing them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. The mind expansion, you know? For sure. For and then sure. there's and that the fine line. the power of connection through the imagination. And there's yeah. that fine line between mind expanding. Like when you when you take drugs, mm -hmm. there's a fine line. You, you think you're expanding your mind or are you kidding yourself and you're just, you know. Right, right. Same thing with conspiracy theory. You know, there's like a grain of truth in it or you could just be making yourself paranoid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. right, right, right. So, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, we also have that. Um, well, first of all, they're in the air. So, you know, this is a process that takes place almost, you could say, in the mind, you know, because of that cloud and the fact that it's in the air, it's not grounded in reality. But uh, but then we also have and this is interesting, because we also have a black figure in the black appearing figure in the five of cups, you have someone who is completely in shadow. And we were talking about in the six of cups, how the bright sun creates the strong shadow. Yeah. Uh, so here's someone who is blind, almost, you know, blinded by the light in front of him mm. and has this dark we shadow. See the silhouette. Right, right. And again, that blackness could be the blackness of fertility and power and potential or of death. Mm -hmm. And because it's, you know, associated with Scorpio, you, you get both the transformation and the death. It's so interesting. And, you know, if you imagine that Rider Waite Smith card as, um, being, you know, balanced between the Empress and death, the Empress gives the vision and the death creates the conditions under which it happens. Mm. Kind of reminds me of the fact that, you know, this is such an, such a sort of fantastical revelatory vision. It reminds me of the fact that the Empress is also the, from Revelation, you know, the woman. Yeah, of, right. Clothed with the sun. Clothed with the sun, with the starry crown. I, the thing I was holding for this alchemy treatment was that this whole, this whole seven thing could be related to the process of putrefaction where you see the peacock's tail. Oh, the colors, the, the rainbow seven colors. spectral colors. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. So putrefaction is supposed to be, uh, you know, this idea you take the blackened thing, it's corrupted, it's gross, you're transforming it. And when it begins to transform an oily sheen, forms on the surface and that's how you know you're getting it right because you start to see all the colors of the rainbow in it and that to me is mm -hmm. something that you see in that yeah. card i could yeah that makes sense yeah um i forgot to mention the idea of indiana jones and the holy grail you know choose wisely so there's that idea that you know with the holy grail he's in the scene where um where there's all these different cups everywhere. And this card always reminds me of it, the writer Wade Smith, where there's cups everywhere and Joseph of Arimathea is standing there guarding over them. And he has to choose the correct one that was really truly the card, the, the cup of Christ. And if he touches the one that's wrong, he will be completely destroyed. So, and he ends up choosing the very humble wooden cup of a carpenter. Um, and then, um, and then Joseph Arimathea says, you chose wisely. And then, 
you know, he points to this guy's bones on the floor and says, he did not choose wisely. (laughs) Something like that. He didn't go for the glamour. (laughs) Right. 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 Seeing through the illusion. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's Mm -hmm. it. Exactly. So onward to Thoth, where we have, ooh, how gross is that? (laughs) It's very gross. It looks like snot and phlegm. (laughs) It does look like diseased bodily fluids, right? Yeah. So this is, you know, what you were, the quote I think you brought up before, the idea that uh, the planet of copper is Venus, all external splendor and internal corruption. I don't know why they say that about copper. I think because of its vertigree. (laughs) Yeah, but that's external, right? Yeah. But the seed of that decay is within it. I guess so. I think. Yeah. You know? I think that that's a beautiful color, honestly. I love that yeah. color. It's one of my favorite colors, actually. Yeah, and that's why the Statue of Liberty is that color, because she's clad in copper completely. Yeah, pati- all patina. Yeah. So beautifully with the blues and greens of Venus. That's and you know what's interesting about this? I read a lot about this because I was teaching color um, at the beginning of the semester. I read an article that says it's not it's not a flat patina, right? It's a crystalline structure you're actually looking through, which is oh, very much the nature of this card, right? To look through uh, yeah. into some into another world. That's why it has that sort of luminous quality to it. Yeah. yeah, I love that about copper. As a matter of fact, I love it so much that if you look around the house, all of my light switches are copper. I because that. I just, I love, I love yeah. the color. And some of the older ones... Uh, like the one in the back room, they like in the living room. You can see when they're, they're mm-hmm. you see how it's green patinaed. Oh, yeah. That, that one is so that cool. One's newer, so it hasn't patinaed yet, but they eventually turn that color. How long does it take? Oh, a while. You can <laughs> you can artificially do it by applying chemicals to it. It's but cool. Otherwise, that it's in otherwise stages. it takes a long time, Neat. and it's and it's kind of patchy because if you if you're touching it all the time the, just the off. oils no the oils right. from your skin will, will will kind of coat the copper so it might not because oh. it's i think it's a process yeah. of oxidation yeah of some it is an oxidation yeah. process so it's yep. protected by your skin yeah oh that's weird. so cool yep but i love copper yeah it's beautiful so I love this quote from Crowley where he says, green slime issues from them and overflows, making the sea a malarious morass. (laughs) That's a great, that's our band name, malarious morass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then you have that quote previously about the ease of the sacrament being prostituted. It's, It's fascinating. And, you know, and, It's absolutely full of, you know, the drops dripping into the water and dripping back up are completely phallic, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, so is the, uh, as are the, um, the flowers, the, the, the lotuses are said to be related to the Venus and the satyrs because of the phallic pistols. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what else I thought was really interesting? So all these cups cards in the Thoth deck all have lotuses, right? Mm -hmm. Or lilies or lotuses. Mm -hmm. But in this particular one, he made them or she made them, actually, Frida made them, tiger lilies. And I was like, I wonder why that is. So the tiger... You know, it can be a symbol, a, a positive symbol of passion and, and many other things. But I think in this case, because lilies are usually symbols of purity, mm-hmm. but tigers are sensuality. So it's kind of like the corruption of purity in a way. Yeah. The fact that they made it a tiger lily. And mm-hmm. then 
I looked up in the symbol dictionary tigers and I found a really interesting quote about what it means when you see tigers in dreams. Mm. And it said one thing out of many things it said that really stuck out was a whole family of urges which have become completely out of your control and are ever ready to take us off our guard and harrow us with their assaults. And it was about instinctive impulses and uh, that are unavoidable and dangerous. That is so apt for this I card, know. isn't it? Wow. So I thought the fact that they're tiger lilies mm-hmm. kind of a neat thing. And then the other thing I found about tiger lilies is that they had, or red lilies in general, were associated a little bit with uh, Hyacinthus, who was uh, Apollo's catamite or mm-hmm. you know something young male boyfriend and mm-hmm. um it so it, it was about you know he got changed into this flower this red lily flower and so there's some connection there with unlawful passion hmm. and it's also the flower that i read persephone was gathering when she was abducted and oh, really? taken down to hell so there's also something about temptation there yeah i mean there's there is that connection in general with lilies and death right yeah yeah so for what it's worth, I don't know, you know, but just thinking about there has to be a reason why it's a tiger lily. And it has, I think, something to do with sensuality versus purity. Or the corruption there, The corruption of purity mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And you can even just see from the water that this is not, you know, the, the clean waters of the six. This is, mm. you know, it's swampy. It's... Uh, this is the primordial sea full of life, really. You know, anything could arise from this yep. and come <laughs> crawling out onto the land. And there's something about it, too, you know, the whole corruption thing. So going back to the tiger lily flower, when I did the Rosetta deck, I instead mm-hmm. made them corpse lilies. Oh, because awesome. Because there's nothing more obscene looking than a corpse lily. Oh, my God. They are so lily. gross. And they're, they're called <laughs> corpse lilies because they smell like a corpse. And there's your sex and death. They also look very phallic and nasty yeah. and slimy. They exude a s- smelly slime. Uh, they're and glorious. I was like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, and you've got them dripping into like Venus-shaped cups. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so Were you definitely... totally grossing yourself out when you drew it? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's just, oh glowing green slime just looks toxic <laughs> looks and radioactive and, diseased and, and all that you know oh that's so great <laughs> but then there's something in the card about you know that slime says to me something about wallowing in your emotions mm-hmm. and the idea of regret and you know like when you do overindulge and you wake up the next morning and say well i really shouldn't have and what did i say you know <laughs> You know, yeah. that feeling of yeah. shame and regret afterwards. And I think even yeah. Crowley mentioned the guilty conscience and oh, the shameful yeah. secrets. And, you yeah, know, you um, know, yeah, because it's like the hangover is is a metabolic process, right? You're trying to process the thing. The poison, the toxins. Yeah, and yeah. it's a painful process. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is that, you know, the pain is part of what you go through to make it do what it's meant to do right right it's right. intimately part it's the of the price it. you pay it's for the, the pleasure that <laughs> came before that's right, right. That's and it. then there's the whole you know the whole drinking thing it makes me think of well in buddhism there's the precepts right and there's mm-hmm. there's either five there's five of them for lay people and there's eight of them for um monastic people mm-hmm. but one of them is about 
not taking intoxicants to the point of heedlessness. So it's not about avoiding them entirely necessarily, mm-hmm. unless, you know, perhaps your monkey not allowed to at all. But mm-hmm. but for lay people, it's okay to have them if you don't take them to the point of heedlessness or lack loss of control or loss of mindfulness. Yeah. So there's something, I don't know, this card that kind yeah. of... There's something about the the remedy for this situation being humility or restraint or something. Yeah, well, the, I, I was thinking about the, the antidote or the remedy, too, and I was thinking, well, I thought of two things. So if the antidote to sevens are eights, then the eight of cups could be abandoning desires. Mm-hmm. Or if, you know, this is the card of a slimy, malarious morass, or, uh, <laughs> maybe the antidote is the five and to dry out, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. To walk away through reason or to dry out through cold turkey. Right? Yeah, yeah, cutting off like Mars. Yeah, and there's that whole connection between you know the the drink of forgetfulness, the drink of oblivion, Lethe. But then there's the the I I think the heroes or the in the underworld they were offered a choice to drink from the waters of Lethe or the waters of uh, Nemosyne, so forgetfulness or memory. And right, it was important to choose memory, but not everyone did. So that speaks a little to me about not going to the point of heedlessness, you know, where you forget what you did or... Right, right, right. And then there's the whole, when I see this card too, I think of Circe and the sirens, mm-hmm. you know, the siren song, calling the forbidden glamours. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, this what you were saying about not choosing to forget, it's almost like, you know, you're going to go through this process of frightening visions and putrefaction and rotting, but you must take it through to the end to extract the nutrients from it, you know, from the compost or it does, if you don't fully decompose, then you cannot take the benefit away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And when I did the Rosetta deck too, it's not in the card itself. It's not in the image, but in the book, I mentioned that, this card has a, a sort of correspondence to, um, in Great Expectations, Miss Havisham's wedding cake. Yes, so she's jilted. Great. She's jilted at the altar, and for the rest of her life, she leaves the the wedding cake on the table till it's rotten and covered with spiders and corrupt. And she wears her wedding dress every day to for tatters. the rest of her life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's something about the you know the the madness and illusion of that. Right. Uh, Trying to hold on to the perfect moment. Yeah. Which you can't. Right. 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 She has all the clocks stopped and, in the house. Yeah. And it's kind of like a Venusian thing, you know? Totally. Totally. The moment of the bride. Yeah. yeah. The jilted yeah. bride. The jilted bride. The corrupted Venus. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. I really like that. Yeah. Okay. So shall we talk about Tabula Mundi? Sure. Yeah. Um, so... From the death card, we have the pyramids and we have the serpents that are in those bubbles. So on the death card, they're where he's stirring up the life and the life rising from the water. But in this card, they take the form, they're kind of glowing green and they take the form of the -the Mm will-o'-the-wisp. And where the five of cups was a desert, there's and there's some there's some hint of that same desert in this card. They look visually similar, 
And in here, you could think of the desert as leading to a mirage, but this isn't actually a desert. You'll see in the background, there's that kind of greenish swampy stuff. Yeah. It's not a desert. It's, it's a swamp. Mm-hmm. And there's these will-o'-the-wisps are swamp gas that rise from the swamp and they're said to lead travelers astray. They'll move forward when you move forward and move back when you move back and appear to follow you when you move on. And when you turn around, they move, seem to move away and they're these mysterious things. And if you try to follow them, they'll, they're, the mythology is that they'll lead you to, to your destruction. Right, right. And I love the way these will-o'-the-wisps, they have that rosy color of Venus in there. So there's Venus arising from yep. the muck, yep. you know, leading you. Here and there. One of the other magical weapons of Venus is the lamp. Yes. And that reminds me of, you know, the will o' the wisp, those glowing orbs and lights. Yes. Yes. And so there's the serpents on the cups that are, um, you know, a Scorpio reference and as well as the serpents in, in the bubbles of illusion. Mm-hmm. But the, from the Empress card, there's only the only thing that really, besides that color and the colors of Venus that we see in the card, the only symbol that comes directly from the card are those two moons. And that's because I just think there's something very lunar about this card, um, even though it doesn't mm-hmm. really have anything to do with the moon. Yeah, per se. It's more like the Venus's inconstancy, you know, that kind of mirrors the inconstancy of the moon and the the, the kind of unconsciousness and, you know, the visions and mm-hmm. things like that. And mm-hmm. Even um, the the Lethe River of Hades was said to be off of the Styx River, but near the gates of Horn and Ivory, dreams and false dreams and true dreams. So there's something about this card that has a little bit of association with the moon in my mind because yeah. of that. Um, yeah. In my deck, the moon card has the gates of Horn and Ivory in it. Um, because there's just something kind of lunar about this card, even though it's not a direct astrological reference. It's more mm-hmm. about discerning the true dreams from the false dreams. And, and this is actually the first card of the astral triangle, too. The astral triangle is centered on Isode, the moon, and about the astral visions and stuff. So there's there's something there. And there's also something about this card as opposed to your five and six of cups that definitely feels dreamlike. The cups in the in your five of cups are on the ground. The yeah. cups in your six of cups are they could be floating on the water. But this one, there's one they're, in the air. This is not yeah, like they're reality. Like they're a mirage or yeah. a, a spectral vision. Um they're not exactly really there. It's clear this is not um, this is using senses other than your ordinary ones. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the willow, the willow, the wisp, the word, uh, for it in Latin is ignis fatus, foolish fire or false mm-hmm. lights. Mm-hmm. False fire. Yeah. Yeah. False, false yeah. fire. So, yeah. um, I like the, the, there's a scene in Lord of the Rings, the dead marshes of Mordor. Oh, yes. Do not where, follow the little lights. Yeah. yeah. And that's, he's almost, ca- he's almost dead, trapped. These dead by spirits them. that almost pull him into the, to the swamp. Or, right. I think those are the Barrow Whites. Yeah. In the, something in the, like in that. In the book. Yeah. In Paradise Lost, Satan was referred to as a will o' the wisp tempting Eve. And so Eve and Venus and it's kind of all. Yeah. Related. Seeing the Satan as the tempter that will lead her astray. Right. 
There's another seven of cups that I like a lot, and I sometimes bring the deviant moon in, but I should just show you this. Uh, this, this is why I call this card the card of the artist. You it know, definitely is the card of the artist because you see what you see in your mind's eye, right? Mm-hmm. Not what's necessarily in front of you. And, you know, that process of Venus meeting death is also a process of art meeting transformation. Right. right. It's, it's really a creative, mm-hmm. creative thing. Exactly. And that's the creativity of Venus. Exactly. And you need those illusions to create art because you might cycle through so many visions in your head before you find the one. You know? Right. And what I love about that particular depiction, Pat Valenza's, is that he's like, you know, there's a model who is behind the thing holding it up, but his picture doesn't look anything like it. Right. right? right. <laughs> you know, it's like, yep. this is what I see, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And I think that that fertile power of the imagination is, is one of the great unsung wonders of the card. And why maybe, you know, when you talk about the, the knight slash king of wands with his speedness and his strength, his speedness, <laughs> his swiftness and his strength. You talk about, we talked a little bit off air about the shadow decan of seven of cups. of the seven of yeah. cups, but there's, you know, there's a visioning process that goes with it. Right. Before the light bulb moment of the eight of wands. Right. Is it's preceded by the, the visioning of the seven of cups the that goes on, on underneath mm-hmm. in the, from the unconscious and then comes out as the bright idea. And where did that come from? It came from that. Right. Right. It's like, um, you know, when Coleridge was writing the Kubla Khan, you know, and he had that huge opium dream that unfortunately he was interrupted in the midst of writing down going from seven of cups to eight of wands. It was. Yeah, creation um, interrupted by the mailman or something like that. But yeah, I think we did it. Uh, practical applications? Yeah, sadly, or not so sadly, or not surprisingly, <laughs> I get this card a lot. Me too. <laughs> probably because I'm an artist and probably because I tend to sometimes be led astray by debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, one way, this card actually came up for, not for me, but for someone I was reading for just yesterday. Um, and it came up in a positive sense and, you know, not to speak about anything personal in Mm -hmm. his reading, but it was, um, because it was in the context of it was showing it to be a positive thing. I took it to mean about that, you know, creative visioning process and about, seeing all possibilities in yeah. a situation. That makes a lot of sense, like trying to find the potential or, yeah. in this sort of display of who right. knows what, of yeah. uncertainty. And as kind of, it, it showed up as kind of a midpoint in a string of cards that started with the Ace of Cups moved to the Four of Cups, moved to the Seven, all in the same reading. You got this string, Ace, in, in, in a row, too. Wow. Ace, four, seven, ten. And this wow. was like the midpoint between the, the four of cups, you know, luxury and the emotional mm-hmm. highs and the ten of cups to the point where it gets too much. But what's the midpoint of that? You know, the, the balance of using the visionary powers, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but not taking it to the, all the way to the point of the ten. Right. Right, trying to draw off what's good about it and what's nutritious to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Well, I've gotten it for um I got it so much I just have this whole page of 
of uh, journal entries, but some of the ones that are sort of the most obvious, it looks like I get them on Friday a lot because Venus, yeah. but and also because headache, because hangover, because whatever it is that I overindulged in, dreams and visions. Um, I got it for getting actually literally sick, you know, quite a few times when there's a lot of nausea and yeah. mucus. Oh, oh, yeah, and, that kind of sick. Know, yeah. yeah, just stuff yeah. happening. Yuck. Um, yuck. And I get it also, and this is just like, it seems to be a function of me, my relationship to Venus is that I get it with textiles. So like if I'm fabric shopping or whatever, but the best one example of of this, things of beauty, yeah. The best example I have of this getting the seven of cups in that context was when I was um, shopping before going on this big trip last year to Singapore. And I was like, I don't have any clothes for like warm weather. So I went to the Goodwill and I like got all these things. And it was, you know, to me, that was like recycled beauty, right? So like old clothes that somebody else wore and cast off and I'm repurposing them because Mm -hmm. I think they're awesome in one way. I see their potential. I see their beauty. So, um, so next time you're shopping at a thrift store, that's (laughs) Venus and Scorpio, seven of cups. And also I got it uh, fairly recently at a talk on Jung, um, talking about dreams. Oh, that makes sense. Which seems totally, definitely, totally what you'd expect. So that's tarot for you, sometimes completely literal. Okay, are we ready to summarize? So some of the many, many themes we've talked about in this card, of course, are the contrast of the Empress and death, sex and death, Eros and Thanatos. Um, we've talked about Venus in her detriment as she is in the martial signs and uh, why this card can be one of such decay and putrefaction. The corruption of Venus and the... Um Debased courtesan. <laughs> That's right. Um, the splendor and corruption of copper. The tiger lily as the corruption of purity by sensuality. Uh, Venus's magic mirror um, and its warped reflection, its distorted countenance. The uh, drink of lethe, or lethe, the drink of forgetfulness and unmindfulness. The seven stages of alchemy and the seven planets and the seven vices and the seven virtues and the seven visions <laughs> right the uh neurotoxin of laurel and the drink of mad honey mm-hmm. that led soldiers to their doom the compost the fungi the mushrooms the bacteria the virus the disease the fertility and potential the imagination the Green of decay and the green of life of Venus. Personal weakness and degeneration. Mm-hmm. The card of the artist. The girdle of Venus. Paradise lost. Circe and the sirens. Putrefaction in the peacock's tail. Cata Pavonis. Venus and the satyrs. Fairy favors and fairy gold. And Fantasy Island. Welcome to Fantasy Island. Uh, all right on that note i think we're ready to debauch a little (laughs) bring it on that is uh that's it for your fearless hosts Uh, and i hope that we've done a little bit to alter your visions and expand your consciousness with this psychedelic seven of cups episode we will be back next time with the eight of cups 
And that's our show for today. You can find us, as always, at our online home, www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. But there are also a number of other places you can find me and Mel on the internet. All of Mel's books and decks can be found at www.tarocart.com. So that's your first stop if you want to find anything related to the Rosetta Tarot or the Tabula Mundi Tarot. That's also where you'll find the adorable new pocket-sized decks as well as signed and matted prints of her artwork. As for me, my book, Tarot Correspondences, Ancient Secrets for Everyday Readers, is coming out from Llewellyn and is available for pre-order online at Amazon, Book Depository, and more. I also have a shop on Etsy where I sell the one and only trademarked Arcana case in lavish silks, brocades, and esoteric prints, as well as my Zodiac perfumes. Perfumes for the next month's sun signs are always on sale, so you can grab a birthday present right now for your favorite Gemini, at the year's lowest price. All of that is at www.etsy.com slash tarotista. And if you'd like your very own Fortune's Wheelhouse t-shirt or tote bag or mug, we have those too. You can find them at our Redbubble shop. The address for that is redbubble.com slash people slash wheelhouse 93 slash shop. Go on, get yourself something. You know you deserve it. Happy shopping to all you heroes of the astral plane. We so appreciate your support.